Welcome to Infinity Rewatch. I'm Andrew Fantasia. This is week four of Moon Knight existing, and neither of us getting our board games in the mail yet. Well, at least I can only <laughs> speak for myself. Ryan, have you gotten luckier than I have? Nope. Still on the same thing, same issue here. I Actually, you know, it's funny. It, it's funny because my brother said he sent me a birthday gift, and he said it's coming from the States, and he's like, it should be there in a week. And uh, if you know where my birthday is, it's been about a month. <laughs> oh, God. That's awful. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. But, hey, what are you going to – but you know what did come uh, just between these recordings was the teaser trailer for Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> that is correct. Um, and I want to – I actually want to take that Thor Love and Thunder and put it in our pocket and hang on to it for later in this episode because there's something I want to bring up in regards Ooh. to the moon night of it all uh, and everything like that. Um, now, we are knee-deep in moon night now, Ryan. We are knee-deep in the tombs of Egypt with Mark and Stephen and Layla. And unfortunately, Harrow, this jerk, we just we can't lose him. No matter where you go, he's there. I don't understand what Harrow's deal is. He just always shows <laughs> up. Uh, and we find this little tomb in the middle of nowhere. And here we are. Now, this tomb tickled all the right spots for me. It was just everything I wanted out of, as soon as they said Indiana Jones-like when they were describing the show, yeah, that's what came to mind. And not only is it Indiana Jones-like, but it gives us something that I think we, how do I describe it? It's like, you know, there's so many, clones of indiana jones out there right there you got your uncharted's your national treasures your saharas what what have you yeah the, the thing that they're missing one one of the many things they're missing that indiana jones has is the stuff that he looks for is stuff that's like in the public lexicon like you know about it and you always wonder hmm, i wonder if the holy grail is out there somewhere and alexander the great's tomb has been a mystery for a long time nobody knows where that dude is buried so for Oscar Isaac to stumble upon his tomb, that made me all the happies. What did you think yep. of, this, of this tomb here, Ryan? Did it do it for you? I of course. I I love the Indiana Jones vibes that this this episode was giving. It's just so much fun, um, and I think they do a great job of keeping this like fun yet seriously toned pace. Um, that just kind of gives this authentic Moon Knight feel. I, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, you know, you have this relationship with Lila or Layla, sorry, and uh, and they're hitting all the feels there. And and you know, it's interesting because like he's these two different people. And what's funny is is like you know, kind of makes you question like, <laughs> is she cheating on him? Because like technically she's with a whole another personality. But but it's just interesting because like obviously there's parallels between um, there's parallels between them in the sense that like they are the same person. But but it's interesting that Stephen Grant is giving her that love that she's always wanted, and and which is really nice. Uh, but the tombs and oh my god, the I could have used more booby traps. I would I would have loved booby traps, like just some a little more adventure in that with the maze and then talking about Horace's eye like that was really cool the more the more i the more stephen grant talks about like the the mythology and like and the history of egypt 
the more I want to hear about it. Like, just like the more it allows me to be immersed in the world. The fun thing too is again, um, we are seeing a, a much more violent Marvel show. I mean, we have this, uh, we have this creature. Uh, I can't remember what they're called, but uh, we have this creature and like taking out organs, putting them in jars, which is pretty intense and uh, which is pretty neat. And then, uh, so, so, this was a fun way to, and I think it's called Enter the Tomb, I think was the was the name of the episode. Uh but yeah, it's I think it's, it was just called the Tomb. Or the Tomb, yeah. yeah. Uh but yeah, it's just it's hitting all the right feels, all the Indiana Jones vibes with this fun comic book element to it, which is really cool. Yeah. I did not miss like the lack of the booby traps didn't bother me at all because of got freaking more booby traps, bro. There's a mummy though. The mummy comes in and he's like and he's taken out organs of who, I don't know who that poor guy was, but he, uh, he is now no longer alive. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But Layla fought a mummy. Uh, and if you listen carefully, when they first enter the tomb, uh, before they even get to the point where he shows her the eye, you can hear the mummy in the distance. You hear that noise. And at first I thought it was, um, I thought it was Mark making the noise i thought he was just looking at the tomb and going like <laughs> i don't like i i don't know i couldn't describe it i was like well that's a weird noise for him to make then he hear it again and i'm like Ooh, that wasn't him i, I don't know if this is a hundred percent why they do it but i i actually watched um a kind of like a national geographic science thing with isabella on disney and this guy actually has developed a heightened sense of sight even though he's blind by making a click sound and because oh he he studied it from uh he studied it from bats because they they send out like a, a wave and it bounces back so they know that they're close to a proximity to an object and he would he would walk they had like a, a series of posts that he had to navigate through and he would make that noise in order to navigate it so i don't know if that's the case but if that's true that makes a lot of sense because that zombie like creature was technically like i'm assuming either a their sight is terrible or b they're actually blind and that's what they do to kind of sense proximity so basically what you're saying is daredevil confirmed in the zombie is this guy the same guy uh the whistle guy there's there's a dude there's an archaeologist who's in like everything you watch about egyptian tombs he's in it I don't know this guy's name, but he's in like a bunch of them. And he always, he's always going through tombs, but even though he's like, he does this every day, he's always phased by it. And he just keeps whistling and saying the word God when he's going, he'll be like, he'll be, there'll be like a big step and you'll just hear him go, God. (laughs) He does that like every, every 20 steps. Uh, he's so entertaining. So I don't know if this is the same guy, but they both sound like I want to see a team up if they're two different men. I don't want to see them go through a pyramid together. <laughs> uh, but Layla beat the crap out of this mummy. Um, and they had the, the really She literally tense... disarmed him. Oh! Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan J. Whitehead. He'll be here all week. Uh, I like that. And I like that he tried to stab her with his arm bone. Um, and she got what I think is one of the most clever lines of dialogue in this entire series so far, uh, which is, uh, you know, Harrow's trying to talk to her. And uh, what, what's the exact line? I wrote it down. But yeah, he's trying to talk to her. And she says to him, fine, the floor is yours. 
in a room that literally has no floor. And I'm like, that's so, I, uh, well done, Layla. Let's talk about this scene because this is actually I wanted to I wanted to get to the the next few scenes as quickly as possible because there's a lot a lot to digest here. And and quick side note, there was a lengthy well not a lengthy, but there was a very active Twitter conversation yesterday about your absence and and Jonathan's hunger for Infinity Rewatch uh, because there's so much to there's so much to talk about here in this episode. Ooh, so okay. uh, they were wondering where you were and you know they. And then I made the comment like you could, I could do it by myself. However, it'd be an unguided hours, hours and hours long rant without any sort of direction and everything. So it would have been terrible without you essentially is what we were talking about. And then there's a lot of love for you for a bit and the whole thing. Anyway, bringing it in, let's talk about that scene because that scene's a big deal because I called it. I called it. They're going to talk about it. They're going to talk about his backstory and they are staying close to the comics and they're pulling a spider-man homecoming and they're just saying this is how it happened and if you know the comics then you know what happened his uncle ben got shot and then he was bitten by a radioactive moon <laughs> radioactive moon dart and that's it he became moon knight but but the the interesting thing here is is and we'll have to place put it in our pocket till we get to a scene later on. But the interesting thing is, is that, like, again, there's a lot of symmetry to the, the, the origin, but it's very much a Marvel formula, not quite what it was, but, but the moments are still the same. So uh, that's really cool and really fascinating. Um, so, yeah, so we get the scene, he talks about it and it's, it still leaves the question a couple things. So again, I don't know. I don't think we're going to see, Mr. Raoul Bushman, um, but uh, clearly he was the culprit, uh, as he was the greedy, the greedy man. Uh, Once again, I forgot to look him up. I'm so sorry. Every time. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a really cool looking character, but I don't know if Marvel's gonna Marvel's gonna show him. Uh, but yeah, so this this was a fun scene, and you're right, she had a great line of dialogue, and it was really cool to hear more about it. But they also dropped a big reveal in that who her father is and he is an actual comic book character not the character that was at the tomb he's another character fun fact about him is he is a defender of the egyptian gods that or so he perceives himself to be and he has fought the likes of captain america himself now, when you said the word defender just now, you used air quotes for the people listening in the podcast version. I'm really curious what those air quotes mean because you, sir, you do nothing by accident. Those air <laughs> quotes, there's something going on there. Well, Who is this he, fella? He, he believes he, he, is, uh, he has been given the duty of protecting all the Egyptian gods. And uh, he, will, he will steal from stealers, as previously mentioned by Layla, They'll steal from Steelers and uh, put these Egyptian gods where they belong. And he has super strength. Um, and he has uh, he has fought many interesting uh, different characters. He's kind of like an anti-hero, which was interesting. But yeah, definitely. Uh, I think he's also fought... Um, oh, there was an interesting call-out, and I can't remember it now. Oh, he's also been... Uh, he's also uh, fought and worked with Thor. 
it's funny you should mention that. It's funny you should mention that. So he he's got a thing for the Egyptian gods. Yes. Um, you know who else has a thing for the gods? Who? A fella named Gore. Except his whole thing is he likes to put them in the ground. Uh, he doesn't like to to raise them up like Josh Groban. He wants to bring them down. Um, and we saw quite a bit of the Egyptian pantheon throughout the course of this show, particularly at the very end of this episode, we met a brand new one that we'll talk about in a minute. But the gods are here. Uh, uh, the, the whole Egyptian hierarchy is coming. And we already have the whole Norse pantheon. They are here. We have been acquainted with them for quite some time. And we're getting to know the Greek ones in July. We're meeting Hercules and his daddy. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of gods, Ryan. Now, I... Lest, lest we also forget Bast from Africa. Bast, yeah, that's right. He's Wakanda forever. He's got his own ties down there. So with all these gods on the field, gods are tricky in any form of fiction because how do you reconcile the fact that they have so much power? You know, it becomes sort of a roadblock from a writing standpoint. Like, oh, if Thanos is so powerful, why don't the gods do this, etc.? Like it always comes back to them. The buck kind of stops with them. So what better way to eliminate that problem while at the same time establishing Gore as a threat by having him take all these mofos out. Uh, so there's going to be a connection, Ryan, between Moon Knight and Thor Love and Thunder. The only question is how, and do you believe this fella, Mr. Layla's dad, whatever, I don't think you've said his name yet, is he that connection? I don't think so. I, I This is, again, this is a Feige. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to downplay this one because this feels Feige radar-ish for me, like, like it could, it could very well be, and I know Feige is very specific about his storytelling now. Like if characters are in the same circles, then chances are they will meet. But again, to to establish Gore would be fun to see him appear as an end credit, of course, and that would be fun to see him just like full on take out Horus's avatar in just the Ooh. most brutal way, or or that shot we saw that zoomed out and it was like a beautiful master shot of all the gods in the jars and then him just going to town on those jars. Yes. I like that. A that is a great end credits idea for this show, man. Right. And so that would be kind of fun to see, but you would, but again, that's very comic book fan. Like the people in the front of the audience won't know what it means. And on top of that, to kind of get them caught up very quickly is kind of too much for them. It's too much work for them to, to have it right. Like, like when we talk about Matt Murdock's appearance, that's not a lot of work. We know he's a lawyer and, you know, Parker needed a lawyer. You know, the odds were just, they're so easy. But this is a lot of kind of like, you know, conspiracy theory, you know, red strings all over the place to kind of connect all the dots. So yes, it could happen, but I think it, it's a lot of work for the people in the front of the audience. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean the sure back, right? Oh, sorry. The, no, no, no. Yeah, the back. Sorry, the back right. of the movie theater. Yes. It's a lot of work for people in the very back of the movie theater. So I, it's kind of tough to say. Um, I, I will mention his name because so as we get through the scene, uh, we get to Alexander the Great, which was, again, just a lovely scene. So much fun. Uh, and we have we have this interesting moment happen, which I also called, by the way, 
fans out there. I called this. I called it. What did you call it? I can't remember. Oh. Oh my goodness. He called. I called it. I called that his origin story would replay in the main story arc of this show. It's right. so smart. And he's going to be he's going to be revived again once again by Khonshu. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be so well orchestrated or it's going to be a really big upset and they're going to do something completely out of the blue. Don't know what's going to happen. But um, the interesting thing is, is we go to uh, and and if you if there's some stuff you want to talk about in that scene, we can. But I'm gonna move right along into some big drops into what's going on in uh, this this mental facility. And hospital. So yeah, the mental hospital. So the I texted you right away because not only did they confirm uh, Layla's father's identity, but you actually see it on the band aid and the band aid. Uh, the Band-Aid was kind of interesting because at first I was like, oh man, this could be a Mephisto thing because it deals with that <laughs> and, and deals with the devil, like that kind of thing. You went but, right to Mephisto, everybody. But, but, but my knowledge quickly kicked in and her, because her father's comic book character's name is the Scarlet Scarab. Wait, that's a real name of a character? That's a real name of a character. I made a character named Scarlet Scarab because I didn't know that was taken. <laughs> oh no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> You are in trouble, sir. Not only has that name been used in Marvel, it's been used in DC as well. Oh, damn it. All right. Yeah. Change of plans, everybody. I'm going home. Rewrite your whole book. <laughs> but anyway, so that was that was a nice little nod. And so I was really taken by that moment. It was a really nice, it was just a really nice Marvel nod. And I love when Marvel does that. It's really smart. Now, the other thing here is, is that we get um, this beautiful scene, which I also wanted and loved, which is they make you feel like he's nuts. Like this, this, this could not, um, this, this, this could have not happened. This could have all happened in his head and that he actually is in this facility. But the, the fun scene is, is when they, uh, the fun scene is, is first of all, one of my favorite lines from this one is when Harrow talks about the pen. And he's like, to me, it's a writing utensil. And to my dog, it's a chew toy. And we're right. both not wrong. It's a matter of context. And that is true evil right there. Like it is, that is literally the epitome of like what an evil person would say. Like it's, you know, it doesn't matter how you look at it. It's all a matter of what you believe it is. Like that's, Mind-blowing moment. Um, and so there are so so many lovely little nods all over the place there, just like uh, call it to Egyptian gods and references and stuff like that. Uh, but when he breaks out and he runs, he gets into the room and gets Stephen Grant, and then there's a third, or sorry, there's a second sarcophagus. Yes, and, there is. And the second one, now, again, the, the, the internet chatter right now is heavily heavily on uh jake lockley as the third personality and it kind of makes sense and it's a kind of a smart way to do it because he dies again and because he dies again it's kind of like he's being reborn again so now he's got a third personality on top of conchu being the fourth and it's a whole mixture of things now the interesting debate that people are having is and and what might be fun to see 
is that uh, we may get a third Moon Knight costume. I'm down for this. I am down for this. If it's any indication, I mean, like the regular one and the Mr. Knight one are phenomenal. So any third thing that this costume designer gives us, I will gladly take it open arms. I, I'm hoping it's the black and white outfit where it's mostly like the black, um, it's like a black onesie. And then he has like the, the white armor that sits on top of it. Uh, it's kind of, it's very ninja, ninja-esque. Uh, but a very high-tech side of it. But um, it's likely there's some different alterations of the costumes that we could see, but there's a lot of debate that that was Jake Lockley's personality still locked in the sarcophagus at that moment. That sarcophagus rattling and them not opening it was chilling. It was so cool, and it just, you know, it says so much without saying anything at all. Uh, I really want to give credit where credit is due for this whole sequence because right up from like the moment that Mark gets shot, uh, it's one of the most artistic visual things that I think the MCU has done, period, is him falling through the blackness in that water uh, and then waking up in this very heightened Alice in Wonderlandy kind of thing where you know right off the bat this isn't a million percent real. Like this isn't just a one for one ratio memory he's having. This is something else. Uh, this almost uh, inception, if you will. Uh, we are really unlocking. We went from a literal maze of this tomb to the mental maze inside Mark slash Stephen's head. And I love the design of it. I love how everything was so stark and how it really puts you in this sense of unease and, and you knew right off the bat that something is amiss and then to get this whole thing with the with Harrow is there and there's these sarcophagi that are rattling it was glorious and I would not be surprised if we spend all of the fifth episode here only to have him finally wake up in episode six is him awake and doing whatever it is he's going to do mm -hmm. throwing a party inviting Christine Everhart she's busy she's in space etc uh, but I love this whole, everything about this. I'm chef kissing till I'm blue in the face. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's a beautiful story. And you know what, when, when Isabella and I watched the episode together, she was even saying like, this is an amazing episode. It's so good. Very well crafted. Um, and, and again, there's so many layers that are going on here. And really, I hope this isn't, I hope this isn't the last we see of Moon Knight because essentially they said like the only plan for this one season of this character. But that being said, like I hope he gets like a buddy cop movie with somebody else where his story kind of intertwines with somebody else like Blade, for example, or or even, uh, you know, maybe Daredevil or or fingers crossed the Secret Avengers, which would be super cool. Because, and it makes sense because the Secret Avengers, his story is actually very much a part of the whole thing where he talks about him just trying to sort himself out, which is so that's a fun way to do it as well. Um, but yeah, so that scene is, is perfect. And then we get the hippo, which was alluded to in the very first episode. Is that the one that was missing off the poster? I believe that was one of them, yeah. But he talks about it. he's like, "Oh, the hippo," you know, like, ah, and they right. they think they 
or I think it's alluded to that Donna is the avatar of that character, of that god. And Donna's mean too. Ooh, I, I, I want to. I have some things to say about the hippo. Uh, but first, let's let's take one second here. Uh, we have some people in the chat saying hello. What? We have Argyle. We have Sandra. Uh, let's see here. Let me bring some of these up. We have Monica. Monica is saying hi, boys. Hi, Monica. We are. Hello. I'm sorry we have to talk about hippos today, but it's going to happen. So just bear with us. And we also have Ozzy, who says Moon Knight is the best Marvel show, but I don't know why. Um, probably because it's cool, Ozzy. And they, to reiterate, they fought a mummy today or yesterday. I'm losing track of my days, but they did fight a mummy. So that might be why you find it such a great show. First of all, thank you guys for joining us live. It means a lot because it's not always nice to interact with people and, and get more people in the conversation. Ozzy, I think the reason why people love Moon Knight is because you don't know this character. This character is so this character is so B to C grade. Like this is a cult successful character. Like you had to really know who this character is to be very excited about it. Like me, I've read a couple of Moon Knight comics, like, or sorry, I've read a few Moon Knight stories. And so I know the character. And so seeing him transform to the MCU level is, is what makes sense to me and why it's exciting to me. But I think for people that you may even be a fan, you may have read some comics of his, but I think what the best part is, is this character is literally unknown. Like there's, you, there's no, you can, there's no expectations you will have going into the show. And that's the surprise of it all is that you're just going to get a good story and you just kind of go along for the ride because with Thor, you can kind of guess like, okay, he may run into Loki. He may mm. do this. He may do that. Captain America, he's going to fight Red Skull, right? Like it's like yes. you, you, you kind of set up your own expectations kind of almost instantly. But with Moon Knight, you can't do that. There's no, there's no way to predict what characters they're going to use and or what story they're going to they're going to build off of which is crazy because they've actually done the, they've done the marvel formula so well with this series that it works perfectly for this character because not a lot of people know and for those for those that do they're doing a good job of checking certain boxes that you're going to want to hear or see and in this like for me for example they did his origin absolutely the way i wanted it to now could they show like his memory and show him actually being there sure like give us give us that nod but at the same time they're saying it they're saying that it happened right and and you don't need to even if we don't see it you don't need to see it because they 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 checked the box they said like look you know he did it he was there there was a very you know very unpleasant character with him that person killed the uh killed the archaeologist and thus kicks off the story of Moon Knight. And that's all you need to know. So that's that's just my opinion, though. I think that's the advantage of Moon Knight is they found a character that has relatively good cult success, but has not made it into the mainstream, even for Marvel standards, like Marvel Universe standards, even in the games. Like, he's a character, but do they give him story? No, they they don't. Like, even, like my favorite example is Marvel Ultimate Alliance. They give origin stories for like all the characters. Like each character has almost a mission disc that like tells you they have a little monologue of all their intros and stuff. Moon Knight doesn't have one. And he had he's a character in the game, which is kind of weird. 
because they knew in like 15 years Oscar Isaac yeah. can play him, we're going to be fine. Yeah, uh, that was beautifully <laughs> that's a put. Really though. good planning. <laughs> that was beautifully put. I think you hit the nail on the head there. But I think that's the same reason why Guardians resonated with so many people. Exact same thing. Um, you almost Z snapped while you were making that explanation. And I really wish you had. You got this close. I feel like you were on the verge. You did like a yeah. Y snap almost. Um, but uh, that I hope that answers your your question, Ozzy. Or I hope that maybe shed some light on it there. Uh, and one more fan shout out before I move on to our friend, the hippo is Ryan. One of my students listens to our show. Uh, one of my students named Nathan, he listens to our show and he's always selling it to the other uh, students when we're in class. He's like, guys, listen to Andrew's show. So Nathan, if you're listening and I know you are moon Knight, man, moon Knight, they fought a mummy today. I cannot stress that enough. They fought a mummy. I'm getting a shirt that says they fought a mummy today. <laughs> Thank you for listening, Nathan. Thank you. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Um, now, our friend the hippo. I got some I got some tales to tell about our friend the hippo. She gets me excited, and I'll tell you why. Her name is Tauret, and she is the ancient Egyptian goddess of fertility. And the reason I know this has nothing to do with Moon Knight. The reason I know this is because on my favorite TV show of all time, Lost, there was a big old statue of Tauret on the island because there was a problem with the island. People who lived there for long periods of time could not make babies. So they, the ancient Egyptians who occupied the island at some point in the distant past built a giant statue to Tauret in the hopes that she would cure that plague or whatever you would call it that was affecting the island. Did it work? I don't think it did because it was still causing problems in 2004. But because of that show, when she showed up here on Moon Knight, I was like, I know who that is. I've met her before. Absolutely. And I mean, I, that's awesome, right? It's, but this is also a fun thing about Moon Knight and like, and, and Thor and the gods kind of thing is because if you are a history buff, Marvel tends to keep it as close to like actual history as possible. Like they're not like DC where they're just going to make up things and then somehow work it all into a world that you can relate to. Which I love and too. Which again, nothing wrong with that. That's their prerogative. But what I like about Marvel is all the references and satirical things all happen in events that we know. We know right. that they happen. And it's and they do it beautifully. Like that Alexander the Great thing, like we don't know where that that sarcophagus is, but it's fun that they found it and and that's a part of a major story. Um so yeah, so this god of fertility and everything, that was a it's an interesting nod for sure. And so this is gonna be a fun story. But what I like is that this is all about gods. Like, you know, um, what was the line? Oh, man. The line in Winter Soldier. Uh, you know, uh, Shield, Hydra, two sides of a coin that uh, no, are no longer currency. And uh, what we're in is the Age of Miracles. And so this is kind of neat because we are at that point. Like, we have the Eternals who are gods, which I think now that these elements are kind of being added in with, like, um, you know, with the uh, Egyptian gods, Norse gods, Greek gods, uh, and the gods of Africa, like I think we're going to see a little more relevance of why the Eternals, why the Eternals movies, uh, the the story must be told, um, and and on top of that, how it's going to impact everything. Uh, you know what I would love to see is it was a nod, an expansion of story on the idea of like what were the. Like maybe the avatars had, or sorry, maybe the gods had avatars back, 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 way back at centuries ago, and they were like 
the heroes we know. So obviously we, we saw Black Panther generations, but maybe right. I would love to see the first Black Panther. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that would be fun. Or like the first Moon Knight, that would be cool. And like kind of do some storytelling like that would be fun. Uh, and yeah, I mean, now we're getting introduced to, and I think now that gods is a more common term now in Marvel, I think Hercules is just around the corner and he's in the, in the eighties and nineties, he's a very big Marvel character. Like he's pretty massive. In the eighties and nineties, he was also a pretty big Disney character. Who puts That's the glad also very true. <laughs> yeah. I hope they sing that song if he shows mm. up. But yeah, this episode, this episode is definitely a big episode for Moon Knight. We're only two episodes out uh, that are left, which is crazy. And then we're on to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which my God is going to be one to cover like Infinity Rewatch to rewatch to rewatch because it's going to be there's going to be a lot coming at us. It's going to hit us from all different angles. But uh, with Moon Knight. I think I think it's kind of interesting to kind of idle in the spot that we're in, which is like, just don't know what to expect, honestly. Like I maybe I Arthur that. Harrow Arthur Harrow could be somebody else. He could be playing at another identity, which would be fun to see. He could just be Arthur Harrow. Sometimes, you know, sometimes a rock is just a rock kind of yeah. thing. But but at the same time with Moon Knight, I love this kind of this kind of slowly releasing the full character over this entire series they they have yet to fully actualize the character they may not do it they may not do jake lockley at all but the point is that they make you think that this character has still got a lot of evolution to make before the the end of the series which is fun because a lot of other series characters are pretty like kate bishop is kate bishop pretty much right out of the gate like she yeah. like i think it's within the first episode she becomes like fully actualized and she's like really good um, she turns to and the he, camera and says, I'm Kate Bishop now. And then by yeah. that point, we know. And that point, we know. And then with Loki, same thing. Like, Loki, even though it's a new variant of Loki, he's pretty much Loki. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like, these are fully actualized characters. And they're just chal- They're just given a harder challenge is pretty much it. But Moon Knight, not only is it the first time in a Disney Plus show that they've, like, introduced a new character and gave them their own series but this character is not fully actualized yet this is character is still growing and changing as the series progresses yes he is uh i really like that slow boil it gives me vibes of wandavision because she's yeah we had never known her as the scarlet witch and then she slowly gets to that point from just being wanda to being wanda in the halloween costume that we all kind of recognize to being in the costume to being actually called Scarlet Witch. And it's just, boom, 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 boom. It's a beautiful sequence of events. Um, and it never feels forced. Uh, it never feels like that scene in the first Fantastic Four where it's like, our names are Mr. Fantastic now. Like, yes. <laughs> it, it never gets to that point. It's, it's never that <laughs> organic and it never happens that quickly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I love that. So I love that this is the same case. In fact, I could be mistaken, but I don't think they have even said the words Moon Knight on the show. It's just Mark saying things like summon the suit or Conchu saying summon the suit. It's not a, it's not like become Moon Knight. Uh, so that's a good really, point. I yeah. didn't even pick up on that. That's, that's actually a really good point. They have not uttered the word Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. 
So whether we get there remains to be seen. I think it'll go hand in hand with him getting the staff. When he gets his, uh, I think he'll break he'll break Harrow's cane. He'll break that stupid top off of Harrow's cane and use that as his staff. And then somebody I, will say, "You're the Moon Knight now." I have a hundred percent feeling that uh, he's going to say, "I am." Because in the comics he does it. In the comics he does it. He goes, "I am Mark Spector. I am Steve Grant. I am Jake Lockley. I am Moon Knight." That's beautiful. I like that. And then Layla's so, like, "I am Spartacus." I am Spartacus. Yeah. So I'm. I'm very stoked. I have 100 percent, 100 percent feeling that that's going to go down, and it's so. it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. Almost as beautiful as those board games we're never getting in the mail. Uh, I actually just got an email about an update about it, so I haven't, I haven't read it yet, but I'm, I'm curious to see what it is. I hope it's at your doorstep, my friend. I hope it's right there. Um, yeah. Before we go, let's play Never Tell Me the Odds. Well, we also got to talk about Thor. Oh, well, oh, well we, we, uh, we got into Thor a bit, and this one also involves, it, it's kind of like a PS to the Thor thing. Okay. Um, if there was something you wanted to add to the Thor thing, go for it. But this kind of dovetails off what we brought up about Thor before. Because well, let's let's dovetail then. Ooh. All right. Ooh. Ah, bless my bagpipes. I've got a Thor theory. So the we, we talked about how the odds are maybe not the greatest that we'll see uh, Layla's dad. Um, oh, sorry, Gore. Gore the God Butcher. Uh, or Gore the God right? Butcher. Yeah. Uh, the odds are not great that we'll see Gore show up in the show. The odds might not be that great that we'll see Layla's dad play a part in what's going to happen moving forward. But, Ryan, percentage time, what are the odds we see Khonshu in Love and Thunder? In Love and Thunder? Yeah. There's a lot wow. of gods in that movie. Uh... I'm going to say a solid 35%. I like those odds. I can get them. Only because the people in the back of the theater, it's a lot of work to kind of just wrap them all in. Because, like, Thor, Thor's success uh, after Ragnarok, like, once Ragnarok came out, like, Thor's success has been through the roof. But what I've noticed about Thor from a business standpoint is he is a great way to bring in new people after yes. Ragnarok because of the humor and the, and finally they found like a groove with him that just relates to a lot of people, like just this kind of fun character. So in my opinion, if you were going to throw in Moon Knight for the, for the comic book, for the hardcore fans, it makes sense because it'd be like, yeah, it'd be nice to have that intertwined Disney Plus movie thing, which we haven't fully seen really Except for Doctor Strange in the trailer, because we know now WandaVision is going to be a, a role in that. But for Moon Knight, it's a stretch. It is a real stretch. It, but again, you could be right. And I like even we may. What if we don't see it in Moon Knight, but we see it in Thor, where Gore goes around like it's like it's you have Thor's hilarious story of him like becoming a pacifist and you know you know be, maybe become a yoga instructor. Who knows? <laughs> but like, but from Gore's story is you see him go to the different, you know, pantheons of gods and like starting with Egypt, because that was the last thing we saw yes. as the audience. And then, you know, and then by the skin of his teeth, like, you know, Moon Knight and Khonshu survive 
and Gore moves on, and then Moon Knight tries to warn Thor, like that kind of thing. That's it's a possibility, but I don't I don't give it much because again, like I think the movies serve a very specific purpose, and and with a character like Thor, Thor is a good good way to bring in new new audiences because he's a fun mainstream level hero now. That's it doesn't even matter what he does because it's just we want to see how bro how how this bro like character is gonna do in the world of marvel and and people love that like people and that's the beautiful part is it's getting to a point now where different characters people are gonna stand behind and and just really focus on their story now because that's the kind of humor and storytelling they enjoy like for me like moon knight's been my perfect storytelling like same with like captain america and spider-man like those have been kind of the stories that i will gravitate to so when i see a story like for example um uh give me a second give me a second uh, iron man like iron man i liked but captain america i loved right mm-hmm. well same with ant-man ant-man of the wasp that's like it's like great family storytelling yeah it really they, they find the right way to tell every story they don't try to stick to the same formula which is groovy that's how it should always be um i'm going around the same area for conchu's odds I'm saying around 38, 39% too. I just think it won't be, it'll be no more than one scene. They'll put him in one scene to establish, like you said, yes, Gore is going around killing gods. It could be like the first god we see him kill. And then it doesn't become Thor's problem until he kills Zeus. And then it becomes Thor's problem. Um, I have a, I have a big feeling that Zeus that scene with Zeus is 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 literally he's going to be celebrated and Zeus it's like oh the almighty Zeus like all this stuff and then Gore just comes in all humble and everything just boom kills him right out of the gate yeah and he's no longer mighty uh, so I'm going with 38 39% I plus like F Murray Abraham is no spring chicken so you have him use him use him just like James Earl Jones, you use him until you no longer can, which unfortunately I wish they lived for another hundred years, but that's not the case. They got maybe three in a month. So use them. <laughs> uh, but uh, enough morbid murder talk for one day. Ryan, where can the people find you when they're not listening to you uh, talking about Marvel or playing Marvel Dice Throne with you? <laughs> uh, you can always find me at twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada. And, uh, of course, you can find me on the social, which I know some of you have now because of the hilarious conversation we had about Moon Knight and, and, this, and this episode that uh, a handful of you really, really wanted. So hopefully we fulfilled that, uh, filled that need. Uh, Till the next time. And so you can find me on Twitter at Crusader Online and Instagram for just kind of like my fun, light social stuff uh, at uh, Ryan J. Whitehead. He says fun, light, but his Instagram page is just really heavy-handed political stuff. <laughs> if, if if you meant like really heavy-handed political stuff as in me cooking a lot then yes that's exactly yes and adorable photos of his puppy cabbage mm-hmm. that is one cute dog uh and you can find me on instagram and twitter at andrew fantasia um i mean clearly you can't find me on twitter at andrew fantasia because apparently there was a twitter party that was based on the theme of wow andrew's not here um <laughs> and then you can find me right here on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network and on my Interfantasia YouTube channel. I just put up today uh, my next video essay about cinematic storytelling lessons Good. of Morbius. What can we learn from Morbius? Um, 
answer is in the video. Watch it. Spoilers, there's a vampire involved. Uh, and you can also find me just waiting by the mailbox like a puppy forward of my Marvel United game, which um, I, I think if uh, when it does arrive, I'm going to try to make a video about it that uh, we'll post here so fans can see what this thing is that we've been waiting for for so long. Uh, but until we meet again, whether it be in Alexander's tomb or in some unknown headspace uh, mental hospital where things are not what they seem and Egyptian fertility hippos are greeting us with a warm smile. Everybody have a marvelous day.